Good evening. Today is Monday, August, oh God, 17th, 16th, 2021, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter, I believe, is the doctor's opinion. And our speaker tonight from Massachusetts is Nancy P. Welcome, Nancy, and thank you for being here. Hi, Arlene. Thanks, everybody, for having me, and I'm really glad to be here again. It's such an awesome meeting. It's a, I decided I put it in my calendar, and I'm going to come as many nights, I think, because I love the idea of choose your own conception. So, um, so my talk. So the doctor's opinion is where I found out, I personally, where we all find out the nature of our malady. Now, I got my big book in 1979. I'm still using that same big book and it's falling apart, but it was a gift from my parents. So I can't bear to, to like let it go. So it's not like I wasn't familiar with the text or that I hadn't read it many, many times, but I was always like, you know, thinking that they were talking about somebody else, that it was an academic exercise to read it, but not a real invitation to, um, to find out what was, what ailed me, because I just thought that I just needed to stop eating. But yet, <clears throat> excuse me, when I did, I mean, I've had, I've been in, I just passed my 50th 5-0 anniversary in January. And I probably should have gotten the original young people's format out of it. I still have it. They put it on, it was written for me. I was the first young person in Overeaters Anonymous in 1971 you know, my mother was in OA and all her, all her OA friends, all their kids were, but since she was the top dog, her kids were like, we were the first ones only because we were the ones that got it. Like we were the first ones at the church on the, whatever the day was that we met. So I've been in for a really long time and, um, you know, I've had thin weeks and fat years and, you know, I'm like a tennis ball. I'd get served, I'd go up, 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 and then down, 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 down. And then I'd bounce and I'd be on my way back up again. And there was never any, you know, I only thought that I, if I could just be thin, in spite of the fact that my mother was in Overeaters Anonymous and quite the rock star, I might say. And, um, you know, it doesn't, it just goes to show me and, and certainly in hindsight, and I'll tell anybody else that it doesn't matter what your pedigree is. It doesn't matter. It, none of it matters. That's why when I tell my sponsees, I don't care what their life experience is. It's different from mine, but the incidentals don't matter. We are compulsive overeaters. I am a compulsive overeater user of the hopeless variety. The type that I am is hopeless. And I just, you know, another reason to sponsor is because another insight came to me. I was looking at the word type and I was telling her my, you know, my thing about like, we are this type. We're not another type. It's like blood types. If somebody tried, if I'm a, I don't even know anything about blood, but I know that O positive is a kind of blood. I don't even know if I have that. But say I was an O positive. If somebody gave me AB negative, is that another type? I would die. Like if I try to, if I try to treat what my illness is with anything other than these steps, I'm doomed. That's what the book says. That's what the doctor's opinion says. And that's what I need to understand absolutely, entirely, completely, utterly. And those are four of the five most important words that Nancy P. thinks are the most important words. And I'll tell you what they are. I'll, I'll list them in alphabetical order. They're absolute, complete, entire, nothing, and utter. And the reason I think those words are really important is because they all mean the same thing. There's no wiggle room. It doesn't absolutely doesn't mean everything except that. And complete doesn't mean 
all these things, but not those two things, or those two things plus all this other stuff. Like what part of those, and this is what I'm asking myself, or what I ask myself, what part of absolute don't you understand, Nancy? What part of complete don't you understand? What part of utter don't you understand? What part of nothing don't you understand? What part of entire don't you understand? So finally, 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 I, I understood those words. And I, it's like I, I sort of absorbed them. So, you know, the doctor, the doctor's opinion is really, it's the foundation, right? It's not the cornerstone that we set in place when we come to believe in a power greater than ourselves or whatever we decide it is. That's the cornerstone. That's after you lay the foundation. That goes on top, like it has the year engraved. You know, this is the cornerstone of this building. It's, you know, whatever year it was built. The foundation is the doctor's opinion. And to me, the doctor's opinion, I only can understand my mouth. I can only, only understand it if I surrender. And not surrendering is what my whole life looked like. You know, I'd, I'd go, you know, when I was a kid, I, can, I don't think I can be blamed for not really being into the 12 steps at age 11. Um, although there were some that, you know, that were into it. Like one, um, one girl, um, ended up having, she was very religious and ended up having, going to a Catholic college and then working for the church. Like she was into it completely. And she never um, broke, I dislike the word abstinence, but she never broke her abstinence ever once. And um, I didn't have that issue. I did not, that did not happen to me. Um, you know, but I, I don't think I can be really blamed as an 11 year old for not really wanting to embrace the steps. And, but once I, you know, I wasn't 11 for too long and then I became an adolescent and a teenager. And by that time I was old enough to, to get it, but I didn't want it. You know, I could have had it, but I didn't want it. I mean, I was living with this person who, you know, had true recovery, um, but it didn't matter. That didn't do me any good. You know, I was like the guy uh, Roland Hazard. I had all, I mean, not everything that money could buy, but I had every resource that you could possibly need or want at my fingertips. And I was, I, I couldn't, I couldn't take advantage of it. And on the first page of the doctor's opinion, so the doctor's opinion is the, is the foundation and the, they start laying the groundwork for the jewel in the crown, which is the 12th step. And it says here, um, it is third, um, Part of uh, his third course of treatment, he um, wanted to come in and, you know, as part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present his conceptions to other alcoholics, impressing upon them that they must do likewise with still others. So that's step 12 right there. They're laying the groundwork. And, um, you know, and Dr. Silkworth goes on to say, use the word completely, you know, like it failed completely. And what I love about this this letter is that he says, you may rely absolutely, another important word, on anything they say about themselves. And I love that because today my word is good. I don't lie. I say what I mean and I mean what I say. I don't always not say it mean, but I do the best I can. <laughs> you know, my mother always used to say that, say what you mean, mean what you say, and don't say it mean. And I always want to say, shut up. You know, what do you know? <laughs> Which I often did say to her because I could. But, um, you know, I try. I'm not very good at it, but I try. But today I can be relied upon. I'm not all over the place and I don't lie. Or that's not quite true. 
I'm super trying always to be honest, but I'm not always successful. And I do do 11 step inventory every night. And I say, where were we dishonest? Well, you know, sometimes I am. Um, and then the next thing on the next page, super duper duper important paragraph here. The doctor's theory that we have an allergy to alcohol interests us and it interests me anyways. And the reason it interests me is because I have that allergy. My husband is not a compulsive overeater. He's very supportive of my program, very supportive of anything that I need when we travel or whatever I need. You know, he's English. And when back in the day, when we were first married and we went to England, there weren't that many Overeaters Anonymous meetings there. And he used to drive me 40 miles each way from his parents' house to a meeting and wait in the parking lot so that I could go to a meeting. I mean, he's very dedicated to me, but he doesn't, he's like, whatever you need, honey, you know, he doesn't actually call me honey either, but <laughs> you know, whatever you need, he'll do whatever I want, whatever I say that I need. If I just have to say what I need and he'll, he'll help me. But in terms of this whole, like the mechanics of it doesn't interest him. He's like, Oh, how about that? He still asks me if I had a good time at my meetings. Like that's not really a question that I ever thought I would think about meetings. Like he's not interested because he doesn't have the allergy. He just wants his wife to be happy. However, the fact that it's an allergy explains many things for which we cannot otherwise account. And I always call this out to my sponsees. And I still today am so thrilled that I'm reading it. And I, when I was a little girl, I read uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, mysteries, you know, and they'd say, he'd say, I know who did it. It was the guy around the corner that has brown shoes. And they'd say, amazing, Holmes. How did you know that? And he'd say, it's elementary, my dear Watson. And this is how I know. The guy had a cigar and I happen to have every single cigar ash that's made in London and here they are and it's this one and that's the only guy that has it or something like that and so it's still used in police departments all over the world today it's called the Holmesian method and what it is is when you discount the when you consider all of the data and you discount the impossible whatever is left however improbable must be the truth so to me I'm very data driven I work with scientists I'm married to an engineer I, I want to know. I want to know. I don't like this touchy feely huggy business. I'm not really into that. Um, so, you know, what was wrong with me? What was wrong with me? What was wrong with me? It's an allergy. Well, I'm not really like, I'm not really into allergies either. I don't, my sister has asthma and it was always inconvenient and I just don't like allergies. I'm not really into that. However, when I was desperate and there was no place else to go, I had to consider that I actually am different. I have this sort of blood type, this, you know, this, I am this type that nothing else is going to work with me except this one way. Um, and, and so for me, that was like the first crack in the wall of, you know, my prejudice and my self-centeredness and all of it was that it explained many things for which I could not otherwise account. And then right underneath that, it says, though we work out a solution on the spiritual as well as the altruistic plane, another reference to step 12. Um, you know, you, you have to have both. Just being spiritual, I mean, I could sit on the top of a mountain in the lotus position for a year, and it wouldn't do me any good if I don't help other people. And if I only help other people, but I'm not attending to my spiritual wakefulness, that's also not going to do me any good. Those two things are what need to be welded together. We must, or I had to, you know, have a spiritual awakening um, and I had to help other people. And when I, um, you know, again, this is in the olden days, you know, maybe 40 years ago or, you know, something like that, you know, when I was maybe, oh my God, I'm 61 when I was 20. So I wasn't that young. <laughs> um, 
you know, I'd be like, yeah, I can sponsor. And then people would call me up and say, okay, this is what I'm going to eat today. And I was instantly bored to tears and hated it and, and couldn't, I had nothing good to say except to give advice. And today I really know that I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a lawyer, an accountant, a therapist, or a priest, or a rabbi, or a minister, or anything like that. I don't give advice like that. <clears throat> I'm a 12, I'm a um, step sponsor. And I try really hard only to give guidance on the steps. Um, I don't, I'm probably not perfect at it, but you know, I try really hard and I enjoy saying, I don't know, because if I try to know, then I get into this whole rabbit hole and it's never good for me. Um, so, so this is the first two pages of the doctor's opinion and two references to the 12th step. So that tells me, certainly after having gone, gone through it many years now, as, <coughs> excuse me, as a recovered woman, that it tells me that the 12th step is super duper important. Then, you know, as far as abstinence, like I said, I, I, <clears throat> I dislike that word. However, you have to put the food down in order to work the steps, or I had to, and I couldn't do that. You know, I would, you know, I love, in, and not to jump ahead to Bill's story, but, you know, I would, you know, put the food down, have it, that was a topical solution to a systemic problem. Like if I have dry skin, I put cream on my skin, but I can't yeah. put cream on my skin. Yeah. What's that? Is it a pulse ring? I don't, oh, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, sorry. I don't have, you know, I, I, I can't put cream on my brain. So I had to, you know, I never knew that I had to work the steps. I'd, I'd gain some weight and I'd be really fat and I'd say, all right, I'm going to do whatever worked in the beginning. I'm going to go to a billion meetings. I'm going to weigh and measure my food with the precision of a brain surgeon and I'm going to be abstinent. <clears throat> but here's what abstinence only looks like. I'm not going to eat. That's all it takes. 10 minutes later, still not eating. So happy. Lunchtime. Oh, so wonderful. I'm going to weigh and measure my food. I'm going to get a scale from NASA and I'm going to weigh a speck of dust in space with no gravity. That's what I'm going to do. Then I'm going to clean up like a hospital with toothbrushes in the corner. Everything's going to be clean. And, or I get a mean sponsor that if I switch my vegetables, she'd say I had to start over again, something like that, like a mean one. And then by four o'clock, I'd need a cookie. You know, you can't, it, abstinence only the seething cauldron of debate that he talks about on the next page is that abstinence will take care of it, but it doesn't because the craving remains. And I was constantly succumbing to a greater force. I was trying to, you know, um, get past this, this wall, this thing, this, this thing about me that made me different from all my friends and, um, and anybody else, strangers that could seemingly eat or dr drink without you know, with impunity, just like what it says. And I couldn't get away from it. It was impossible. And um, what it says here, you know, they are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks. So they don't be, I didn't become restless here. That was my resting state, restless, irritable, and discontent. I didn't become that way. It was just like always feeling like I had on an itchy sweater, you know, like I just was always bent out of shape unless I could get the relief that it talks about from food. 
And unfortunately, because my brain is Teflon, I couldn't put cream on my brain, right? It's all dried out, doesn't work right. I always thought it would work. I always thought it would work and it never did. And then luckily though, what they say is, once I you know, accept this way of life, and for me, it's all about surrender, um, the only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules, 12 in number as it happens. And, you know, suddenly once I surrendered, the whole world changed. It was like a key that made the floor disappear and the walls turn around. It turned a basement into a library. I mean, I, my whole life was, was turned around and, you know, my pain had no memory and eating was really, really painful, really painful for me. I mean, my pain is no greater or less than anybody else's. I binged my brains up because I dinked my manicure. And when my, um, my younger daughter was engaging in self-harm, cutting and burning herself, I could not eat fast enough. And trust me, I know how to eat. And I couldn't, I couldn't overtake it with that. Um, and I, I mentioned that not because I want anybody to feel sorry for me or anything like that. I don't need anybody's pity, but I... It can be done is what I'm saying. Like once I surrendered, that pain never diminished. You know, I got much better, but she got much worse. And my pain never diminished. But I did not eat so much as an extra grain of rice, not one bite. Three and, minutes left, um, Nancy. Three minutes, perfect. I'm almost at the end. So, you know, what I, what I learned was um, when I, you know, just like the, um, the, the doctor says, the scientific conclusion is that these men were not drinking to escape. They were drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. And the only way that I could, the only way that I could get past that was to completely surrender. And I love surrender because it's more aggressively passive. I, I'm sure I've said that in another meeting, others have heard me, but if I try to let go of something, it's all smashed up and banged up and ripped and broken. And Nancy P doesn't let go of things well. It doesn't resemble what it once was. And turning things over is, reminds me of when I weighed 211 pounds at five, one and a half. And I'd have to, in the morning, my alarm would go off and my, I'd have to hoist my body over, crawl over to the other side of the bed. I was breathless. You know, I had high blood pressure to get over there to just to turn the alarm off. So turning over to me has bad, you know, connotations. But when I surrender, it's like, I see my hands, I disengage from the fight. I'm not, I'm, I'm completely not engaged with it at all. I'm like, you know, I let my life, I try to let my life flow over me. And, um, you know, I don't have the craving anymore. I can say that the food is in the rear view mirror. However, did the bedevilments get me? Do I have bad days? Yeah, I had a pretty bad day today. I had a pretty, I was a little teary today. A lot, it was in, I was hurting and I was in a lot of pain today. Um, but I know that if I, I recently had occasion to think perhaps I could eat something that was not quite a, a food that I would never eat, but one that I might've eaten, you know, that I could have sort of maybe fit into some sort of cubby hole. And I'm going to read you what I wrote to a sponsee about that. It was coconut milk. So one, unsweetened coconut milk has no sugar, has never bothered me. Two, walking in the grocery store. Hey, that's unsweetened flaked coconut milk. Coconut. It's almost the same thing as coconut milk. I should sprinkle that on my plain yogurt for breakfast. Break things up a little rather than having the same old thing again, which I've never ever felt like it was the same old thing and has always loved it. 
sprinkle a quarter cup on my yogurt one day, knowing the serving size is two teaspoons. Four, eat the rest of the container out of hand. Five, in the grocery store again, walking down the baking aisle, which I have been able to bake and use all sorts of baking stuff. Hey, sweetened coconut. That's nearly the same as unsweetened. I'll try that. Break things up again. The threadbare idea. Six, eat the entire bag. Seven, again in the grocery store. Hey, the sweetened coconut is right next to the chocolate chips. I guess that means the chocolate chips are kind of like unsweetened coconut milk. I should be able to handle that. Eight, eat the entire bag. Nine, rush frantically to the chips and pretzel aisle, buy big bags, break one of them open in the store and start eating it. Nine, leave the store, rush to Dunkin' Donuts and buy my mainline drug, 10, off and running. So today I don't have that. Today, not, that never happens to me. Today, Time. you know, I'm just about finished. Today I'm done because I've had my spiritual awakening and I had to awaken spiritually before I could experience, before I could gain experience. And what the doctor says here, the last sentence, though he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. I no longer scoff. I am, I am open to anything that anybody has to say. I will take anything from anybody. I don't care as long as I can stay away, you know, stay spiritually awake so that I can gain spiritual experience. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so, so much, Nancy. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to what we just read and are studying this week. We ask you accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. And oh, Amy's gonna call on you. So take Thanks, it away. Arlene. Thank you for your service. And thank you, Nancy. Katie B, you are up. Go for it. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, everyone, for your service. Hi, Nancy. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I have a question for you, Nancy. Sure. So as you meant, as you were talking about, obviously, uh, you know, step 12 is interwoven through the doctor's opinion. And I was wondering if you could share your insights um, when you bring someone through the doctor's opinion. Right. And I'll speak for myself. And I, as speaking with certain people, I can see how the doctor's opinion applies to them and they're not seeing it. Right. <laughs> and I can only give my experience, strength and hope so much. And it's not up to me to beat somebody over the head with the, do <laughs> with the doctor's opinion. But if you're talking with somebody and they're, they're identifying out, they're denying the physical reaction, like, do you have any tips? Like I can only share what I know, but I, over your years of sharing the doctor's opinion, when people are identifying out with the idea of the allergy, the idea of a physical reaction, just not connecting with it. Do you have any tips for sort of like honing, honing in on how they are connected or how this does apply to them. I mean, I know they have to come to it themselves, but do you have any sort of, I never talk tips? about how it applies to other people. I never say that. I only ever talk about how it applies to me and how insane right. I was. And I say, you know, and I often say, you know, I mean, this is kind of true. It sounds really mean. It's not mean. It's just sort of the truth. I don't really care about my sponsees. Like I care about them, but they're fodder for me. And I tell them that I say, I don't say that I don't care. I say, you, you know, you might not feel this way, but I know from experience that this is what happened to me. And, you know, that thing that I read you with those 12 things or whatever about the coconut milk, that has happened to me. That was not a fantasy. That exact thing has happened to me on many occasions. So I say to people, you know, 
if they ask a question, they say, well, you know, blah, 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 whatever it is, they're not really into it. I'm like, listen, you're, you're the one that has to find out. I'm giving you data. This, these are not opinions of mine. This is fact as I know it from my actual own actual experience. I always say that, that I've lived with this body sitting in this chair or with this body sitting on this bed or wherever I am. This is what actually happened to me. I don't, I assume that, you know, they'll, if they want it, they'll get it. And, you know, I, I used to rave. I just got a new sponsor the other night because I was feeling restless, irritable and discontented and I couldn't stand it. It was like horrible. And a friend said, you know, you need to have a, a sponsor. Because my own sponsor said she doesn't use a sponsor because Bill W. didn't have a sponsor. And I was like, okay, that's a good idea. That was a bad idea for me. Or it worked for a little while. And now I have a sponsor. And, you know, people that don't want to do this work, my this same friend that advised me to get a sponsor, she said, you'd act like this sponsor was the only one that was going to do it. And that's not true. I see that. If someone's desperate, like nothing, no force on earth will prevent them from getting better. But if they're not desperate, I mean, willingness never got me anything. And I tell people that willingness never got me. The only thing I was willing to do was eat and be thin at the same time. That's what I was willing to do. And um, so when I was desperate, I probably could have taken anybody, but, um, but as a sponsor, but this one woman that I picked was a good sponsor for me, but she's not, you know, she doesn't, she's not perfect and she's no longer um, suited to me. So, you know, my object, like when I, I tell my sponsees this, not just in the doctor's opinion, but in every single step, because I learn something new every single time, every single time I say to them, I'm so thrilled to be sponsoring because guess who else gets to go through the steps again, besides you, me. I mean, I go through them again and again and again. And um, if they don't want to, if they don't, you know, I'm disinterested in what they, you know, it's up to them. I'm only a vessel. And so it doesn't, you know, if I'm vested in their success, that means that I'm not focusing on the spiritual part. I can't like, like flow, flow, flow. You know, I want them to just, I want them to touch my life and I want to be there. I'm very supportive. I, I, I do care about them, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not up to me. It's up to them. And I, I'm really good with that. It's the easiest way for me to, to sponsor is to not be engaged in what whatever they're going to do i'm not their. i'm not the police i'm not their food sponsor i tell them i help them figure out what their alcoholic foods are their trigger foods and i strongly advise them to go to a nutritionist or a doctor neither of which i am and even if i was i wouldn't i wouldn't you know work with people because that's not my job my job is to take them through the steps so i don't i mean like i that that doesn't seem like a very tipster kind of a thing to say but you know, they have to want this and they're doing, you know, no time is wasted. This, this woman just said to me, I had a sponsee that was on her fourth step. And then she did a spot check inventory and said that she ate, you know, and I was like, uh, what is this all about? Well, I had a slip and I said, well, that kind of means that you're not on step four, you're on step one. And she said, okay, step one. And I said, all right, so here's what we're going to do. You're going to teach me the steps. We went through steps one through three. I said, I want you to read them, write about it, and then teach me the steps, what you learned. And she said, I'm not ready. And she blew me off, you know. And another sponsee just called me this morning and said, you know what? I really love working with you, but I really need more. She wants to schmooze and giggle and talk and chat, and I don't have time to do that. So I said, no problem. And there, it is no problem. It's completely no problem because I don't have time to do that. I don't, I mean, I'm happy to do that on phone calls, but what I'm, 
when I'm working, when I'm like, this is a job or, you know, it's a thing that I do. Taking people through the steps is not, you know, I'm close to my sponsees and I'm there for them. And I'm, you know, and I want to be available. I do. But my job is to take them through the steps. And if they don't, if they're not ready, then they're, you know, it's like getting into Harvard for every spot they have. There are 20 people or, or 100 people trying to get in. There's way more, you know, if they're not ready, then, you know, move on.com, baby. That's what I would do. Love that. Thank you, Nancy. And thank you, Katie, for the question. All right. We're going to have Randy followed by Nancy Z followed by Sherry M. Go ahead, Randy. Everyone, uh, really grateful to be here tonight. And Nancy, uh, thank you so much for your share. Um, although uh, length of sobriety doesn't guarantee you anything, I really appreciate all the clarity you brought to explaining the doctor's opinion. I, I think it was very helpful. I kind of have a two-part question for you, um, or there are two separate questions, different sides of the coin. Um, I, I want to know what your opinion is on when you tell sponsees that they can start sponsoring. Um, and then the other um, question is, in terms of your requirements of sponsees using the tools, what are those? Most specifically attending meetings and making outreach phone calls. I, I'd like to know what your process is with that. So as far as sponsoring, um... Up until the, I have one spawn active sponsee that I'm just in, we're in step 12. I'll probably, we'll probably be done with step 12 this week and one or two more sessions. And then I have another sponsee that um, is coming on, I think, I don't know, this week, one day this week, we have to set up the schedule. So th those are my two sort of one on the way out, one on the way in, and I've got room for one or two more. Um, um, what I, what I used to do up until this sponsee that's on step 12 is as soon as we were done with step 12, I cut them loose. I said, okay, tomorrow morning, I want to hear you on, I listen to a vision for you, but I want, I want you sponsoring, you know, and the, I, I teach the steps the way that I was taught. And when I finished this, that's what my sponsor did to me. And she said, okay, I want you to go and, and get some sponsees. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not rush into anything. I have a much better idea. And she said, what's that? And I said, I think we should do this whole thing again, like a cycle. And she's the only time in my life that she laughed in my face. She said, that's a terrible idea for me and for you. And the next day, somebody called me up and said, hi, you know, so-and-so told me that you were available to sponsor. And I was like, well, I guess I am. And that's how I started sponsoring. And I've recently come to decide that, um, I still want them to sponsor, but I don't cut them loose. I want, um, I'm going to, I can't really give someone committed time every week because otherwise I would have no time for my other, other things. So I've told this sponsee when she's, when she's ready to sponsor, I said, I still want you to call me once a week for as long as you can, I, you know, as long as you want to, I want to be here as a reference or as a resource or as a support, whatever you need. And she's glad about that. And as far as using the tools, I'm not the police. I don't, I don't, I'm not a food sponsor. I mean, I, like I said, I help them figure out their alcoholic foods because we have a discussion. They write to, you know, they, I had give a little tiny assignment before I start working with someone. And then I say to them, I, I say, this is what worked for me. I go to meetings seven days a week myself. I go to more than one most days just because it's so easy with Zoom. I don't have to drive anywhere or park anywhere or anything like that. That's what works for me. But the main thing that saved me, the main thing with those phone calls, I mean, when my daughter, you know, I came into vision for you, I got 
I started my recovery, my final recovery journey, at December 1st, 2017. I've not had to hurt myself with food since that day. But, um, you know, my daughter, she got much worse. And um, the summer of 2018, she spent in a mental hospital in a locked ward. And I had to go visit her every day, every night. My husband and I went and visited her. And um, I used to make a billion phone calls. And some of them only lasted a minute or two. Some of them would last 10 or 20 minutes or half an hour. And I'd hang up the phone and I'd burst into tears. And then I'd dry my tears and I'd make another phone call. And I didn't eat. I mean, at that time, I was recovered sponsoring people, but I was in such pain because I would have shouldered that for her in a heartbeat and I could not. I mean, she didn't care, you know, she was in her own prison. She didn't care how much I was hurting on her behalf and how much I was hurting on my behalf. She was impervious, she couldn't, you know? And those phone calls saved me. And I tell people that honestly and openly, I used to call when I, um, you know, again, it's about vision for me, but um, when I joined that meeting, they used to send out a blast email with all the newcomer numbers every day. And I used to call every single newcomer every single day and they no longer do that. So now when I go to Zoom meetings, I look in the chat and I write down phone numbers, especially of new people. And I have it on my phone in my notes app and I put the numbers in. So when I put them, put them in and I press done, the numbers turn into links. So I have an automatic phone list that I go to. I don't have to look anything up. You know, it's right in my phone and I call people every single day. And then I, I recently decided to, um, to, to build up a stable of what I call homies, you know, my homies, these, you know, MS-13 OA style. I just sort of have these, you know, this, this gang that I have of women who, whose recovery I respect and trust and who I can, you know, who I can ask questions about myself or, you know, ask for feedback or just ask for help when I'm hurting, which I, I do hurt, you know, some days. Um, so I, you know, I tell them, I don't say, I don't, you know, it's up to them. They know what the tools are, you know, they know. And I talk about them in my, in my step tutoring, you know, in my step work, I'll say, you know, I don't check on them though. I'm not the police. It's not, it's not going to hurt me if they do don't do these things. And I tell them that it's going to hurt them, you know, so I, I sort of like, I'm like a, I'm like a reptile. I don't take care of my young, you know, I'm not a mammal with sponsoring. I'm like a reptile. I, you know, I'm like, I make sure the eggs are laid in a place that they can get, you know, hatch and stuff and give it, have a, have a, a, a going chance to survive. But, you know, I'm not going to like coddle them because that's not how, what was done for me. I didn't need, I didn't want, I mean, I've talked to the same woman on the phone five days a week. I still do for 35 years. She's like my, I call her my real sponsor, but um, she doesn't really sponsor me. She mostly just loves me. And so, you know, I needed somebody that was going to hold my feet to the fire and, and say, this is what the step work is. And, and, you know, I had a series of catastrophes in my life, you know, not one right after the other, because I do, you know, have a good life and everything. I'm not like a gutter drunk or anything, but, you know, I got in a car accident every weekend for two months when I was in high school. I've been fired from several jobs in my career, you know, stuff like that. And nothing, you know, I think of that as life tapping me on the shoulder saying, how about now, Nancy, do you surrender now? And my answer was always, no, thank you, I've got this. Until my daughter started hacking herself up with a razor blade and burning herself to a crisp. Then Nancy, it didn't matter. Sorry, I know it was my question, but if um, we'll, we'll try to get a couple more people in here. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
So we're now going to stop the recording and we'll have 